to the board game community show. I'm your host, Riley Starr. Join me as I get to know folks in this community. They could be designers or streamers, podcasters, YouTubers, publishers, whatever. Really anything with a nerd at the end of its title is welcome here on the board game community show. Show, show. Welcome back to the Board Game Community Show. Today, I am rejoined by Rob Kramer, and we're going to nerd out together. How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing well. How are you, Riley? I'm so good. What have you got going on lately? I know you have some things. Do you want to talk about them? <laughs> sure, I might as well. Um, I've been working on a few designs lately, and some of them are coming out, some of them are not, and some of them I am working on hopefully making them a real thing. So on Saturday, I participated in Protocon, which is an online playtesting convention uh, where people from around the world were playtesting their uh, game designs digitally through Tabletop Simulator or Tabletopia or other things like that. So I got to play a few games, um, some that I had already played before in last Protocon that had made some adjustments, um, some that were new to me. Um, people I knew, people I didn't know, and it was a super cool event um, run by Dustin Dowdle of the Utah. Uh, man, I need to remember the what is board, board um, game designers guild of Utah. Board game designers guild of Utah. There might it's a got a great logo. The name needs work, so <laughs> um, or I just need to work a little bit harder about remi- uh, remembering it. Oh, so. it, it's a mouthful. <laughs> I yeah, BGDG, yeah. Right? Mm, oh, geez, that is yeah. tough to say, even it's shortened. <laughs> I um, know. so the games I played were uh, Cake of Doom, Nobun, Nobun, I don't know if Dustin ever said this out loud, Nobunaga's Revenge, Nobunaga's Revenge, um, and then I played Trinkets and Bones, um, and those were three games, uh, all kind of different. Kick and Doom was a kind of negotiation, um, kind of trick-taking a little bit game where you're bribing countries around the world with cake and trying to stop other people. Very take that kind of thing. Um, I had played it a year before. It had made some pretty big graphic design strides and stuff like that plays pretty smoothly. Nobung Naga's Revenge was a pretty big game about hidden alliances and uh, stuff like that. There were some issues with Tabletopia, but very interesting uh, way to go about things. And then uh, Trinkets and Bones I had played before in person. Um, about minions kind of outbidding each other to gather beetles and crystals and other kind of gross stuff like that. And so that was very fun to play those kinds of things and see what people are working on. We played that last one together, I just yes. realized. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking like, oh, I've heard of all of these except for the last one. And then I was like, oh, no, I played the last nah, one. You, so. No, you played that one. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah. Well, how, 
how about yours? How did yours go? Uh, so I got to play test Critter Grove, a uh, cooperative uh, polyomino game, and I made some adjustments. I mean, I've been working on it since bleh, like May 2020, so it's still in the works and still trying to figure it out. But I made some adjustments to how animal homes are placed and how scoring is done at the end. Still trying to crack the alpha gamer problem, if it is a problem, if it is something that needs to be focused on but like most of these people had played before or had watched dustin hadn't been able to play yet and he was able to jump in there and get everything down and it was a really good experience with a lot of great feedback and so i'm prepping for the cardboard edison awards at the end of the month um, and also going to be playtesting at salt con so if anyone's there you can come to prototype alley and play it there and then hopefully make some pitches to publishers and see if i can get it out there nice I've played several iterations of it. I mean, yeah, like from cards to where you have asymmetric powers. Yes. Yeah, lots of different things. It has bloated and lost weight through many different iterations. It's lean and mean at this point, but it could go through some other phases. Its development is not my strong suit. So this has been a very interesting challenge to try and tackle. Oh, for sure. I think the interesting thing is, you know, there's no wasted time on that. Uh, Like as bloated as it might have felt earlier, you might end up implementing some of those early things into other games or like Mm -hmm. you you never know. Yeah, for sure. It's a fun experiment. Yeah. Game design. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. So what if I mean, so you're asking me more questions. Can I ask you questions? You can ask. Okay. so what have you been nerding out recently on board on the board game side? Oh, man, I have not had a whole lot of time. Thank goodness for Board Game Arena. Okay. Because I've actually gotten to play some games. Like, I think I've played three games in person since the new year. Oh, wow. Uh, So that's very sad. We all go through phases. Yeah, exactly. I've played Agricola a couple of times now online. And Mm -hmm. the first play of that, I was like, this is kind of fun. This is okay, you know. Second play, I was like, okay, I think I understand what I'm doing. And third third and fourth play I'm doing right now simultaneously. And I'm like, yeah, this is cool. Nice. So I, I'm kind of nerding out about Agricola and debating it might be worth getting it in person because Kimmy okay. played it one of the times with me and she was like, it wasn't bad. I, I kind of liked it. Interesting. Have you heard, uh, is Caverna on BGA at all? It is. And I'm really curious okay. to try that one. Because yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I've I've heard different things about both. I feel like they'd scratch a similar enough itch that you would want to play both of them before picking one. Oh, okay, that's that's my thought. What is Caverna's theme again? It's like your cave people or something, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, same kind of mechanisms, but I don't know the backstory of it. I feel like there are some fantasy elements, but I could be entirely wrong. I can't remember. I I feel like it's a little bit more, uh, maybe a little less bland of a theme than uh-huh. just the, like, I'm a farmer here. Let's right. do all this stuff. I've played the the two-player uh, All Creatures Big and Small, which is just like the animal husbandry part of Agricola kind of taken out and then just played as a game on its own. Um, but I haven't played the full Agricola or Caverna. So it's an interesting one to check out. Yeah, yeah. What about games you've been nerding out about that you've been playing? I, that's one. I have another I'll talk about after. But um, Let's see. We've been over the Christmas break. We uh, got Quacks of Quedlinburg. And that is just 
that has been like the slam dunk of board games recently with my family. Um, we had my brother-in-law come into town and we just played it so many times, so many different variations just in that base box. And the best and kind of worst part about it is the kind of slot machine mechanism of pulling a chip from your bag and going, Ooh, or like every single time it is like you, you talk about Marvel snap. I, I had an issue of being quote unquote, like addicted to it um, because it has such flashy mechanisms and the play style is, is built to make you play it more. And Quacks of Quedlinburg has that, has that situation where in a slot machine, if you get close to winning, you get the same kind of brain responses as to if you actually won. And so if you're, whenever you're drawing one chip at a time from a bag that could contain 15 or 20 chips, you're getting that response every single time. And so that is incredible that it was harnessed with a board game um, that you can play, but like also taps into some dangerous wiring that humans have where, where we can get really, really interested into something and it can be hard to stop. So that's been very interesting to kind of play and analyze and get into. Yeah, that That's one of, that was the first bag builder I played and mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting. I really like it, but to, talking to different people and Kimmy really likes it too. Like, mm-hmm. but, but she has the same problem uh, that other people have had where if your her first play was fine of it, but other people I've talked to say like the first play they just had really really bad luck, you know, like mm-hmm. they kept drawing the cherry bombs first, and mm-hmm. and then they were always on like they just fell behind and they never could catch up, and I think that's bound to happen. Uh, but if you play enough games, you're just you're like oh, okay, like ah bad luck, it, no right. big deal. I don't know. It, it's an interesting thing that I think is somewhat of a problem in the game. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it's just like fun. It's what fun. other bag builders have you been playing? You've been playing Wonderland's Wonderland yeah. War. Wonderland bag War builder. is the other one. Um, have you played uh, Altiplano? Uh-uh. I Altiplano's heard of uh, by Renegade Games. I'm trying to remember the designer, but it's it takes place in like um, the highlands of Peru and um, your drawing stuff from a bag and then assigning it. It's kind of like a Orleon, which is also another bag builder. Sorry, the, the if you haven't played those I games, played it's, uh, I recommend to checking out Altiplano. I, I really enjoyed my play. Um, but yeah, just pulling things from a, a, a bag rather than rolling a die or drawing a card. Like it is a different kind of excitement when you reveal your hand or, yeah. or that kind of stuff. But kind of similarly, you've got like Sagrada where you just are drawing from a pool in the bag. You don't know what colors are going to come up and then you roll those and you don't know what numbers. So there's like multiple luck elements on top of each other. Um, But that one's, I think uh, it doesn't feel as lucky because you have the dice, you roll them and then you decide how you're going to use them and where you're going to place them. Right. But there's a couple different, like it feels a little more in your control. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Quax is is like the least of the kind of agency that you have once you draw something from the bag. So it is more output luck than, at at least in the main phase of the game, where you can't choose 
I guess you can choose to activate the chips as you place them, but most of the time you're going to because they're good stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah you, you can't choose different tracks to place them on or anything like that. But there are those elements that come from moving the droplet on the lab section or, or in the pot. But yeah, we, we've been really enjoying it. Um, we're looking forward to picking up at least the Herb Witches expansion, which plays up to five players. So we're excited we have about that. that. We love nice. it. We, we haven't brought ourselves to get the Alchemist one yet. And I don't know why, because we we love it. We have all the upgraded bits mm-hmm. and whatnot. But for some reason, we just can't bring ourselves to get the <laughs> other expansion. And that's okay. I, yeah, I watched the Shut Up, Sit Down uh, video on it, and they weren't super jazzed about it. So I say if you're happy with where it is, stick with that. Yeah. I like, I like the concept. It kind of gives you another thing that you're pulling for because i think the third or the second expansion you're trying to like fulfill orders almost with the mm-hmm. shit you're you're pulling and so it kind of gives you a direction of things you need to build for in your bag i don't know but at the same time it just yeah, yeah like is it gonna add bloat that's the big thing of course thanks so what do you what have you been nerding out about that is not board game related <laughs> who's who's the host here am i right <laughs> Uh, um, I'm just done with board games. No more board yeah, games. No more board games. <laughs> it's semi-related painting board games. Hmm. You know, pa- or not board games. Yeah, I'm Miniatures. painting the actual boards. <laughs> uh, I actually had a friend, Dusty. Uh, mm-hmm. He was he had joked about having his brother, who's a miniature painter, paint his castles of Burgundy board. Okay, so bland. <laughs> Which is, I think, awesome. But yeah, anyways, I've been painting some miniatures. That's been fun. It's weird because, like, for me, it's been a week. And I nerded out with Ian last week. And and I haven't nerded out on, like, too much more than that. Like, I'm still watching Bones. I'm okay. Still, uh, <laughs> we're almost done with Bones. I think we have one more season left. Which has gotten interesting because near the end, I think, they started to have like cameos of like the impractical jokers and like weird, like little cameos where it's like, they found the dead body. And I didn't realize wow. back then. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that is amazing. My favorite, uh, my favorite bones episode that I'd never watched. Cause I I've never watched bones is where they scan a virus from the bones have you seen seen that episode? I'm they find sure. they find a skeleton and they do a like a bone scan on it. And someone had etched a program oh. that uploads a virus into uh, the system. And that is just just perfect perfect television, right? Yeah, there. it's <laughs> so good. Pallant right there. That you're talking about the big. That's like a big thing. <laughs> and over our multiple seasons. Okay. There. Nice. Yeah, that's a, like, that's a very good, good example of the cop, not a cop TV show. And it's it's very, very good. Right. Yeah. We were talking about because later seasons like I won't spoil much, but mm-hmm. it feels almost like a spinoff of itself where the two main characters, Bones and Booth, aren't necessarily like going out and investigating or mm-hmm. or checking out the bones and all this like they're more of figureheads that the other characters go to and are like, Hey, what's this? And they're like, you're wrong. Or, Hey, do this. You know, interesting. Uh, I know it's, it's an interesting turn. I, maybe they'll go back to the old format for the final season, but it, it's just like a, huh, they're mm. barely in it now. 
I mean, the mo- the money that they got for each episode definitely didn't go down. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I don't know. It's it's crazy. I'm sure I might nerd out about that next week as mm-hmm. well as Marvel Snap. Uh, oh, yeah. I know that my guest next week will have that too. A little teaser nice. there. Because everybody's into Marvel Snap except for me. That's okay. I'm off. I'm off Marvel Snap now, so we can be did? best friends who are no longer there. So, oh, oof. yeah, I yeah, I think what you said, the addiction, right? Like, mm-hmm. I would totally get addicted. I'd play that for hours if I could, yeah, hundred percent download it. So that's the hard part. But what are you yeah. nerding out of, out about? Um, have you heard of the movie Puss in Boots: The oh. Last Wish? Dude, yeah. Okay, so you've seen it? Yes. Okay, good. And it's so, so incredibly good. Yeah. Okay. We won't talk spoilers or anything, but the dog, right? Yeah. It's so, so good. Um, It is not what I, not what anyone was expecting from the sixth movie in a shrek franchise so you got shreks one through four and then puss in boots and then um the last wish did you see the original puss in boots i know i did but you know that was like over a decade ago i'm pretty oh yeah super super long um my wife and i saw both puss in boots and the lion king in a reissue uh in 3d and weirdly enough at the end of the night we're like i kind of liked puss in boots better than the lion king which was unbelievable to say um but now i feel entirely validated in my love for puss in boots uh, after the release of this movie because my goodness boy howdy is it just a great movie full of wonderful visuals uh interesting characters incredible voice work just knocked it out of the park completely deserves its oscar nomination and looking at the animation lineup for the oscar noms is a super, super strong lineup. What do they have on there? So you got uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. They've got uh, Turning Red. Uh, weirdly enough, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, which is a stop motion animation, um, but has features live action elements, which is another incredible movie. And then The Sea Beast, which I haven't seen, which is on Netflix, uh, and then Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Like, I could see any one of those. I haven't seen The Sea Beast, but any one of those, I I could pick in any year being, yes, this is the one to win it, obviously. Yeah. So I'm, I'm super excited for animation and where it's going, especially after uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and the lessons that people kind of learned from that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and... I was going to bring that up because what did you think of like the battle sequences in Puss in Boots? Oh, loved them. They're so, so good there. It's so interesting because it does, it changes the style to that like spider verse style mm-hmm. of animation where it's a little more like kind of choppy. And- yeah. They start animating on the twos rather than the ones and yeah. Um, yeah. Make it a little bit more action oriented and all that kind of stuff They have the kind of paint outs whenever the, uh, the giant of Del Mar like, gets hit with a bell like oh it's it's so good i agree that's great great nerding out right there that was mm-hmm. great a right there yeah uh, <laughs> i'm trying to think of other things that i'm nerding out about but it's it's like so hard lately lately we've been so busy just like doing oh with my other podcast the friend and foe adventure co i've been nerding out so much on like just the story 
and whatnot that I get to write. So tabletop RPGs, right? Like being able to play with people and collaborate and tell a story and and improvise and just all, all that stuff, I think is so much fun. And to be able to like edit it down and add sound effects and all that, like nice the production of it. I've been nerding out a lot about that, probably too much. Like how long have yeah. you been doing that other podcast? This is the first time I'm hearing about it. Oh, it's uh, it's coming up on a year. Wow. So that's great. Feb- we launched it on two, 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 two. Hell yeah. Because I couldn't pass up on that. <laughs> <laughs> Why and, would you? Yeah, exactly. So it's a it's a border like the Borderlands video games, right? OK, nice. So there's the Bunkers and Badasses tabletop RPG. And that uh, that Ian actually is uh, the lead designer of that as well. Wow. So two of my favorite games right now are are done by him. And and so we yeah. So I do that podcast. Kimmy's on it. And nice. Uh, some other people. That's friends. great. Yeah, it's awesome. I don't know, have you played many TTRPGs? Uh, I played Pathfinder a little bit a while back. Um, that was when I was living in Utah County and the group was in Salt Lake County. It was just prohibitive to like dr- drive up there every week. I was not a fan, but now I'm in Salt Lake County and it's something I'm kind of interested in doing again. Maybe more one shot kind of stuff like Honey Heist or um, Fiasco or that kind of stuff. It's definitely interesting. I'm not not against it. And speaking of Puss in Boots, my character in uh, in uh, Pathfinder, his name was Freck, and he was uh, he was orc. And he, uh, my goal in the game was to get a, a donkey familiar to follow me around. Um, so <laughs> that is so great. <laughs> that is just ridiculous. But that's like the fun you can have with yeah. it. Yeah. Like, not you don't have to. T- that's the thing I love about the Borderlands one to the B and B is that we don't take it too seriously. Like we joke about mm. things all the time, and it, like it doesn't matter. We're just right. you're having fun. And did you ever get your donkey familiar? I didn't play long enough. Um, the the main thing that I would do is whenever we fought uh, beasts, I had an ability that if I ate uh, part of their body, uh, I could gain some of their abilities. So. Like I, I just kept like little pouches around my, uh, around my belt so that I could eat some goblin or snake or that kind of stuff. If I wanted to gain some extra abilities. Wow. So that was, that was kind of fun to, fun to play around with. That's really entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> the stories you can, that's, that's the thing, right? Like the stories you can tell, mm-hmm. uh, that's what I nerd out about. I think it's so fascinating. I listen to I listen to a lot of podcasts while I'm doing chores or driving. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like to have quiet time. I think my brain's right. always got to be moving. And so a lot of it's either like board game podcasts or actual play podcasts. Okay. Those are my it, uh, the podcast that I'm nerding about right now is called blank check. Um, so uh, blank check with Griffin and David, they uh, delve into directors filmographies. So they they'll pick a specific director and then do a podcast on every film that they've directed. So their kind of premise of the show is that at some point these giant directors get a blank check. Basically, okay, you are successful. We will give you whatever money you want to make whatever movie you want, and to follow their careers in that kind of stuff is very very interesting. So I'm listening to the uh, series on Robert Zemeckis. And how he goes from directing things like 
Back to the Future and Who Framed Roger Rabbit and uh, What Lies Beneath and Castaway. Like, did you know that he filmed What Lies Beneath between the time that Tom Hanks was losing weight in Castaway? So within like eight or nine months that that Tom Hanks was losing weight, he went and filmed and wrote an entire other movie that was also very, very successful. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. ridiculous. Like, and then, then after Castaway, his next movie is the polar express. Like what happens to this director and, and the life that he, he choose the direction that he takes his art is very, very fascinating. So I highly recommend checking out blank check. They, they dive into just some wild filmographies and it's made me interested in films that I haven't seen and directors that I kind of reevaluate. So that is a fascinating topic there of like, what, what do you do when you have the success? And yes, some people choose weird things, but Mm -hmm. you know, that's like the passion, right? It's the whole idea of like, if you didn't have to worry about money anymore, what would be the projects you put your heart and soul into? Right. Yeah, like there are plenty of board gamers, uh, board game designers who have blank checks, like Reiner Knizia. Like, yeah. what does he focus on now that he doesn't have to focus on anything? Uwe Rosenberg, like, would he have designed so many games using polyominoes if he was still like a struggling designer trying to get like a hit? So that's been very interesting to look at, especially with movies, which has way more money involved than uh, board games. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, there are some other things you got nerding out on the... I'm trying to think. I've been playing Hades again oh, just because nice. Hades rules yeah. and the sequel's coming out this year. So I'm excited about that. Um, I'm super but duper excited. <laughs> I think it's great. I'm so Whatever. stoked for the sequel. I'm, I'm so excited and... Uh, it just looks so great and super giant games just knocks it out of the park like every single time. Um, so very excited. Yeah. Big, big year for bo- uh, video games for me in that. Yeah. Tears of the kingdom. Uh, uh, Legend of Zelda is coming oh, out. Right. Um, so breath of the wild might be my favorite video game of all time. And so having a sequel to it is just wonderful. However bad it might be. We'll, we'll see. I was able to connect with my brother who lived in Amsterdam for the majority of the pandemic. He got into uh, breath of the wild with his kids. And so we were able to kind of play through it together and talk about it together. And so it's just a really nice part of my, my life. And I'm excited for the sequel. I think it looks great. And I, I played my friend, let me borrow breath of the wild. I'm not like a big switch player for whatever reason. I have a hard time playing games on the switch. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's but, my it's my favorite console I've ever had. Really? But I, I'm a big Nintendo booster. Like I would have said the Wii before that, and I would have said the Game Boy Advance before that. Um, so I'm a big fan of whatever they put out. Yeah. I don't know. For me, sometimes I feel like the controls on Nintendo games are a little bit they're they're like not as tight. Okay. Sometimes that's that's a very overgeneralization of my experience with them. I mean, we can get into the swap of the control buttons on, on controllers between different consoles and, and stuff like that. Like I think the switch pro controller is fantastic and I can plug it into my computer, 
but it's already mapped A to A and B to B, which are in different positions. And so I can't just immediately port it over to the games that I want to play because I have a different kind of brain that I use for my PC games as opposed to Switch games. Yeah, so. and that that's a really interesting thing too because we have a couple of games on the Switch and we have the Pro Controller and I've mapped, I have like, I, I remapped it a couple of months ago and I love it. But every once in a while I slip back into like, you know, I just switch a and B that's right. That's all I need to switch. Um, yeah. For the majority of games. Yeah, exactly. And so it's in my head, that's how it is. But even still every once in a while, my brain slips backwards and I'm like, I hit the B as mm-hmm. a, you know, I'll hit the B as B written on there, but right. Oh, and it's, it's not, e- and it's not even like a simple rotation of the four. It's, a swap of the two. And so it's just, just annoying enough that you can't easily switch between the two. Yeah. But then functionality wise, like the X and the Y, like, you know, it's up, right, left, down, Mm. essentially the left and the up function the same across pretty much every platform. Right. A and the B, which are the bottom and the right. Mm -hmm. Those ones are swapped for functionality for most games. And it's like, what? Like (laughs) if it was just different letters, that would be fine. But for me, we wish I know (laughs) (laughs) it's what a, what a weird swap. That's like literally the only difference in the controls, Mm -hmm. um, the button mapping as far as that goes. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Like I like that. I've been, we've been playing Stardew Valley a lot. Oh, nice. More and more into that. Have you played that? I've, tried to play it a couple times i don't know if it's yeah i think i might need a little bit more action my other other games that i play are like rocket league and okay and uh stuff like that a little bit more man yeah like as to compare it to quacks of quinlanburg like man i need those like short bursts of of energy to kind of get me through a game yeah yeah that makes sense i think (laughs) like a day on there takes 20 minutes ish to play so it's nice for us like kimmy and i play it together Mm -hmm. yeah they have a co-op mode right yeah yeah so it's just nice little farming and stuff but someday (laughs) sometimes the days are too short and Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't necessarily have a goal and we're just there's enough to do at my house that is that was built in 1900 that i don't need to simulate (laughs) getting rocks out of my field and planting and that kind of stuff i think that's part of it that's fair that's fair. <laughs> like I know, I know in my real life, I can't drive a rocket car to drive at a giant ball to hit it into a goal. <laughs> but I know in, in my life there are some rocks in my backyard that I probably should move. Yeah. So I have. Uh, you've been over to my house. Uh, oh, yeah. Did I show you the cement backyard? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have you broken that up? Is that still the plan? I, broke up a good amount of well maybe like a sixth of it Uh (laughs) and it's just like back-breaking tedious work yes a lot so i'm one of these days i'll rent a jackhammer and just tear it all up but then at that point it's like i gotta put it in grass or something quickly Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't like what i've torn up already just turns into weeds oh yeah unmanageable weeds during the (laughs) spring and summer (sighs) so it's like i need to do that really soon and then get sawed and do right it. it's just man yeah i'll do it in a video game all day yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a good point and it's a little bit more controllable in a video game yeah and less physically exhausting yes so yeah 
Well, great. There we go. We've nerded out about a couple things. Did you have anything else you want to tell about board games nah. or outside of? Nah, like that's, I'm so glad I get to talk even more about Puss in Boots. It's not going to be the last time I'm going to be talking about it to anyone I come in contact with. So right? <laughs> I'm glad I can have this kind of platform to spread yeah. it a little bit more. We may talk spoilers after this, post yes. spoilers of mm-hmm. craziness. Cool. Well, let's see. This is kind of more so the idea that I have with nerding out. I know last week with Ian, we went way over and I told you before the show and I think I tweeted it out that I was literally my first day on Adderall Mm -hmm. and I and Ian and I can like talk just like chain off of each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but like Adderall definitely played a big part of me just being like, well, blah, 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 right. blah, 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 blah. Uh, so hopefully now a little more manageable, but this is around what I want to hit with nerding out around 30, 40 minutes. So good, good, good. Perfect. Thanks again for coming back on and chatting, catching up. Of course, my pleasure. Why don't you plug whatever you got? Sure. Um, I'm a board game designer. I've got a couple uh, designs coming out this year. First is a Zebra from Buttonshy Games, which is uh, the first game in their big box line, where the box is actually as about as big as a deck of cards. Um, so when it comes to Buttonshy, who usually does wallet games, that is considered big. Um, so that's a polyomino flip and fill uh, game that I'm, I'm very proud of. And there should be an app impl- implementation uh, coming out along with that as well. So um, that's very exciting. Um, and I also have uh, the Grand Carnival on the road, um, an expansion to the Grand Carnival. And that's coming out this year, which I'm very excited about. So those are the things I'm ready to plug. Nice. Two games that aren't published yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, people can go get the Grand Carnival. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's actually, I think uh, first edition is sold out. So, Oh, is it? Um, okay. Yeah. So whenever the pledge manager opens up, uh, I'll let people know. <laughs> nice. I've, I've played the Grand Carnival and some of the new expansions. It was fun. Yeah. I'm excited. Me too. Uh, let's see. For me, I've got nothing. I don't have anything to... Like uh, yesterday from when this airs, I will have been on Mr. Rouse gaming channel on YouTube and I will be playing. Oh, shoot. Like quantum. I want to I keep wanting to say quantum mania because uh-huh. Ant-Man that, and the Wasp. Yeah, but it's not that it's like some <laughs> something similar to that. I'm sorry that I don't remember people, but you can check it out on YouTube now. I will have played with Tim from Board Game Hot Takes, David from All Games New and Old, and, of course, Ryan from Mr. Rouse Gaming. And then I've got, as always, the uh, Friend Info Adventure Co., an actual play podcast where we just kind of... It's an immaturely mature podcast where we're doing adventures and goofing off, and every once in a while it gets super-duper dark, and somebody told us that I made them cry, that one of our episodes made them cry, and so... Amazing. Yeah, like, I'm sorry, but also, like, I never thought that making someone cry would make me feel so good. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Yeah. And then that's, I think that's it. You can follow me at Nerd on Twitter and Instagram. Really, Twitter. I'm not going to interact. I'm barely (laughs) on Instagram. And then if you like the show, rate and review it. That's it. Until next time, keep nerding out. I remember when 
my wife and I were first getting into board games, there was a board game store called Board Game Revolution down in uh, Provo, Utah, where you could rent board games and uh, whatever whatever you rented could be uh, that money could be spent as like store credit. And so you could try out new games. And the first uh, one of the first games that we played was a uh, forbidden Island. And uh, just the idea of a cooperative board game experience never even crossed my mind. And so playing that back in 2012 uh, with my wife, we played it over and over again. Um, we found like the German uh, alternate map layouts and played those as well. And it was just a wonderful addition to our, our life and, and board games have, have changed my life for the better and in, and in so many ways. 